Thank you very much, Ruth Ann. Thank you very much, Anita. We are thankful for Christ. The life we do have, as we reflect on his birth and ultimately his death. Let's pray together. Father, as we interact with your word this morning, may your spirit minister to us deeply, encouraging us, giving us a growing understanding of the life that we have in Christ. For his name I pray, amen. I have a candy bar here. It's a Hershey's milk chocolate. Who would like the candy bar? I think I saw Micah's hand first. So come up here, Micah, and it's your candy bar. Just one second. I have a second candy bar here. Would you like this also? (laughs) I have a third candy bar here. Would you like this also? Okay, you may sit down. I don't have any more to give away. I'm assuming that if I offered him a fourth one and a fifth one, he would have probably shook his head yes and taken it. So a couple questions. This is for all of us now, not just for Micah. What does it take to satisfy you? One candy bar, two, three, four, five. Five dollars, ten dollars, a hundred dollars. What does it take to satisfy your family? What does it take to satisfy us as a church? When is enough enough? Are you content, fully content? The psalmist says in Psalm 23 and verse 1 in the King James translation, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Christian Holman Standard translation says, The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I lack. Is Christ alone sufficient to live for God's glory in daily life? Is Christ alone sufficient to live for God's glory in daily life? This morning we want to look at some scripture. Depends on the time as to how far we go. Found in Romans, we'll begin in chapter 3 and go from there. I'm thinking about Christ. Last week, we talked about Christ being Savior, and Him we have salvation. That comes through in Romans chapter 3 and onward, not always using the term salvation. But in Romans 1... Beginning with verse 18 through chapter 3 and verse 20, Paul deals with, addresses what we would call sin, separation from God, the lack of a relationship with God. And many times we think about sin and we think, what's something I do wrong? It might be failure to do something that you're supposed to do, but underlying that is the whole issue of sin, the lack of a relationship with God. And 
Paul emphasizes that. And then beginning in verse 21 of chapter 3, he says, But now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. He had stated in verses 19 and 20 that by observing the law, you know, there's no righteousness to be available. But a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. In verse 22, the righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his, through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just, and the one who justifies those who have faith in him. Where, then, is boasting? It is excluded. On what principle? On that of observing the law? No, but on that of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith, apart from observing the law. Is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too, since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcision through that same faith. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold it. After making the, if you want to say, charge that all are under sin, And there's a righteousness available, but it's not through the law. He says, there's a righteousness from God. But where does it come? It's from God in verse 22. It comes through faith. That's faith in Christ, or Jesus Christ, to all who believe. And as you read... Other places in Scripture, as well as in Romans, we find that Paul had already stated in Romans chapter 1 that he was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone that believes, first for the Jew, then also for the, then for the Gentile. And he'd stated there also that in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. So to those who are in sin, separated from a relationship with God, he says there's a righteousness available. And that's through faith. Why faith? Verse 20, end of 22 and into 23. There's no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I think the idea of sin is, as he brings out later in Romans chapter 5, is that they're in Adam. In Adam, separated from a relationship with God. In Adam, dead. And keep in mind that when we speak of death, we're dealing with a relationship or a lack of a relationship with God. It doesn't matter who you are. It comes by faith in Christ 
for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified, declared righteous freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Justified, declared righteous freely without effort on our part because of God's grace. And again, at the end of verse 24, by Christ Jesus, and in 25, God presented him, that is Christ, as a sacrifice of atonement, a sacrifice of satisfaction through faith in his blood. And he did this, he goes on to demonstrate his justice in relation to sins committed beforehand, before Christ. But again, at the end of verse 26, he talks about justified those who have faith in Jesus. Poses some questions. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. On what principle? On that of observing the law? No, but on that of faith. In verse 23, he talked about that. There's a deadness, if you please. All sin falls short of the glory of God. In verse 27, there's no boasting. It's excluded on the issue of faith. The fact that all sin, and there's a righteousness or a justification that comes through faith, puts everyone on the same playing field. I, you lose track of time, but there was some money being paid for some kids to get into an elite school. So someone asked them, how'd you get in? Well, my parents shoved a little money in the correct direction. Level playing field, all sin, all are in Adam. It's by grace. It's faith. It's not by good works. You may have money, lots of it, trillions of dollars, or you may have zero. Justification is by faith. Doesn't matter what your skin color is. You may have a lot of dark skin or you may have very light skin. Still by faith. You may have abilities, mental abilities that far exceed anyone else. Or you may have few mental abilities. It's by faith. There may be social status. You're in the upper echelon of society, or you may be in the lower end. Paul says, where's boasting? It's by faith. Who you know makes a difference. You get a job, you get into some place, who you know might get you there. But God says, there's no boasting. It doesn't matter about who you know. We have different physical abilities. Some of us hobble around and barely get around, and others can just go and bounce and do all kinds of things. doesn't make any difference. Some of us have technical abilities, and some of us are just plain dumb when it comes to technical abilities. It makes no difference. Some of us can look or rather present a resume of great accomplishments, and others present a resume and say, I just don't have much. The playing field is level. All are dead. All sinned. All are separated. Where's boasting? It's excluded on what the principle of faith.
In this passage, we find that there is a righteousness from God through faith in Christ. It's done. It's there. We find that there is redemption in verse 24. And the idea of redemption is a buying out from sin or sins that came by Christ Jesus. Again, it's done. If something is done, it's done. You can't do any more. It's done. We find in this passage, in verse 26, along with chapter 5 and verse 1, there's justification where he justifies those who have faith in Christ. The idea of justified, and when that takes place, it's done in Christ. It becomes a reality in the individual's life when they come to faith in Christ. But it's done. Can't do any more. It's done. In this passage, we also find, in chapter 5, there's a peace with God. He discusses this justification. He discusses the redemption. And then in chapter 5 and verse 1, after dealing in chapter 4 with the justification of Abraham, he says in chapter 5 and verse 1, therefore, since we've been justified or declared righteous, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. By faith, but peace with God. How do we stand with God? If we come by faith, we're at peace with God. It's done, it's complete, it can't change. We've been given life, a relationship with God. We see two things coming through time and time again. One is faith. The other is Jesus Christ. Reading on in chapter 5. Verse 1, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that our sufferings produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. In character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though someone may die, or though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, 
But we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Verses 10 and 11 of Romans 5. There's reconciliation. A restoration to favor. Those who were dead, separated from God, coming into a relationship with God. The barrier between God and man through Christ and faith is destroyed. Reconciled. And I'm sure you have experienced that in your life numerous times where you've been at odds with someone and someone says, I'm wrong, I'm sorry. Can we be reconciled? Can we be restored to favor? That happens again through our Lord Jesus Christ. A restoration. We won't read through the entirety of chapter 5, but at the end of chapter 5 and verse 27, he talks about eternal life or everlasting life. These people who are dead, separated from God, coming into a relationship with God, redemption, forgiveness, reconciliation, being given eternal life. And I emphasize that eternal life is not merely future is present. Eternal life is not referring to heaven when we die. Eternal life is referring to a relationship with God, a relationship with Christ, according to John chapter 17, as Jesus prays to his Father. Eternal life, knowing God, knowing Christ. When does that begin for the person when there's repentance of sin and faith in Christ. Well, I'm anticipating heaven in the future. Well, why not anticipate eternal life now in the way we live in the present? And then that continues when we die. So don't think, well, I get saved, I get eternal life when I go to heaven. I have it. We have it. It's present. You go into chapter 6 and verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Apparently the Romans are thinking, I have this righteousness, I have this redemption, I have this peace with God, I've been reconciled to God, I have this eternal life. So why not sin? Because if I sin more, it will reflect God's grace more. And Paul says, by no means. Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? I think as King James says, God forbid, perish the thought. Don't even go down that path. Why? We died to sin. How can we live any longer in it? Or don't you know that those of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Christ died. Who died with him? Believers. Christ was raised. Who was raised with him? Believers. So there's a transfer that is taking place. How can someone who who has died with Christ and been raised to Christ continue living in sin? 
That's where Paul's point is, and he brings that out in verses 11 through 14. Count yourself dead and alive. In Christ, again, a work that is done. A done in eternal life, a done in being baptized with Christ and being raised with him. He goes on in chapter 6 and talks about being a slave of righteousness or being a slave to sin. And in chapter 7, he discusses his battle as it relates to sin. And he says in verse 25 of chapter 7, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself in my mind am a slave of God's law, but in the sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. And then he says in chapter 8, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through, the, or through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit set me free from the law of sin. And death. Also in Christ, there's no condemnation. It's done. Status, standing before God. As you read Scripture, everything is tied in with Christ. And we come to faith in Christ. We're given completeness, we're given fullness, as is mentioned in Colossians 1 and 2, as is mentioned in 2 Peter chapter 1, 3 and 4, as Romans brings out very clearly. We don't need a second candy bar, if you please. In Christ, there's all that we need. See, there's something that takes place when we come to faith in Christ. In this box, letting this box represent death. Letting the box represent separated from God. Now take the lid off the box. And in this box we find a little doll. I'm going to take this doll from death, from separated to God. I'm going to place the doll in the bowl. We're going to let the bowl represent Christ, being in Christ. There's a transfer that's taken place. From death, separation, into life, a relationship with God, the redemption, the forgiveness, the reconciliation, the eternal life. Died with Christ, raised with Christ, no condemnation. All done in Christ. The transfer has taken place. It's done. Can't do, can't add, because it's done. We could go on to chapter 8 and verse 15. We won't, where there's also co-heirs with Christ. But essential in light of Romans, as well as related passages, Christ alone is sufficient for a relationship with God. Relationships with the body of Christ and daily living in our world. In Christ, we have what we need. We don't need a second candy bar, if you please, or a third one. We have what we need in Christ. Are you in Christ? 
Are you living out who you are in Christ? So taking that a step further as we think about life, only Christ alone has dealt with humans being separated from a relationship with God. It's totally and completely dealt with in Christ. Sin in every form is addressed in Christ. Why Jesus could say in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, knowing that you know, ultimate, he would become the ultimate sacrifice, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Is Christ enough? Yes. Only Christ alone has dealt with, been victorious over the enemies believers face, Satan, the world system, and the flesh of the sinful nature. He has defeated. We count it true. The victory has already been won. We are to daily live in light of this victory. We respond to what has been done. We respond to God's display of grace in Christ. It's not an issue of trying. It is an issue of resting. So the application, as believers in Christ, we cannot live holy, transforming, fruitful Contented life by trying, by doing, and by effort, but in responding to the rest that we have in Christ. Years ago, when I was flying, we hit a fair amount of turbulence. And turbulence is something that I've just never gotten used to when I, I'm flying, you know. I Rarely do planes come down over turbulence. You think, well, maybe I can do something to help here. Maybe if I try to jump, you know, I'll take care of some of the turbulence. Not going to do any good. What do you have to do? You just have to rest in the plane and the pilot. Can't do anything about it. The plane goes down, you're going down. And if the plane makes it, you're going to make it. If you please, Christ is the plane. He's not going down. He's completed his work. He's given us all that we need. We rest in what he has done. And what does that look like in life? Renewing our minds. Thinking about all that we have in Christ. Meditating much upon the victory we have already have in Christ. Body life, we need one another. No, to encourage us, to spur us on. We're not islands. We need marriage, we need family, we need the local body. I've asked myself over and over again, where would I be today if it wasn't for other believers? To encourage, to spur on, 
to rebuke, to correct. We need shepherding, being cared for by a local shepherd, a Sunday school teacher. We need corporate worship, prayer, simple obedience. And we're, we don't practice these things to gain anything. We're responding to what God has already done. And these help us to stay on track in the world in which we live. So those of you who have a problem with worry or a struggle with worry, the victory's already been won. You've been declared righteous. You've been redeemed. You've been reconciled. You have eternal life. You've died with Christ. You've been raised with Christ. There's no condemnation. And you may battle with worry for the tenth time in the same day and you think, I'm really terrible. And God says, there's no condemnation. But God, there's no condemnation. But God, when are you going to get it through your head that you believe me? There's no condemnation. Oh, the victory's been won. I can choose to say no to worry and I can choose to renew my mind. Yeah. You've died with Christ. You've been raised with Christ. And think about example after example in life of how we may struggle. But in Christ, the victory's been won. And it doesn't mean that we don't struggle. It means that in the midst of our struggle, ongoing struggle, we remain justified, redeemed, reconciled, peace with God having eternal life or everlasting life, dying with Christ, having died with Christ, being raised with Christ, there's no condemnation. Heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. See, that don't change. We respond to that. So as you think about 2020, live in light of Christ. And being in Christ. Be willing to lay aside. I'll try. And put in its place. I'll respond to who I am in Christ. I've been moved from death to life. I don't need another candy bar. I don't need another Jesus. I don't need another thing. I have it all in Christ. Learning to rest in Christ as we relate to our families. We go to school, we go to our jobs. Recognizing that it's been done. In Christ. Let's pray together. Father, as we look at the book of Romans, as we have this morning just a few verses in the overall book, we realize that in Christ, we move from death to life. In Christ... We have what we need for godliness. We can be content 
We don't need the next thing that comes down the pike. It may be a good thing, but the completeness is in Christ. Teach us, Father, what it means to respond to such a display of grace. What it means to rest. In light of what Christ has done, and resting doesn't mean we don't respond. Resting means we don't try in our own effort. We respond to what Christ has done. May we grow in the year 2020 in displaying greater and greater glory because of living out what has already been done in Christ as we obey and respond to that. You know where each one of us are in our various struggles and our various victories. You've begun to work in us, continue to do that. For your glory, for it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.